fuck, if I had COVID, I wouldn't be getting shit done. This is like the advantage to having COVID, you know? This is the one good thing you get out of being sick as fuck. Yeah. Did you, I can't remember, Brendan. Did you catch it? No, I've never had it. I'm the even only when, one. Even when Rich did. Yeah, right? even when Rich did, I dodged That's that bullet somehow. Well, Lee, did you find it weirdly frustrating where it's like you're aware that you're dumber than you were before? <laughs> I don't, I don't. And it's really like you're like pushing against these walls that are suddenly there in front of you. Like brain fog. Yeah, yeah. I don't really think I had brain fog. Like I, the first two days, I just felt like mentally and physically wiped, like tired and achy, and then I felt absolutely fucking fine. But I had the worst blocked nostril, like blocked sinuses, for like four more days, um, to the point that like yeah, like I. I maxed out my usage of like the sinus spray where you're not supposed to use it yeah, anymore. I remember that. I remember and I was like, that. what do I do? It's the only thing that made me breathe at night. <laughs> um, and I eventually got the real Sudafed. I had like fake Sudafed. I had to get the real stuff. Like Sudafed PE, it's like over the counter. Oh yeah, yeah. No, we have some of that from when Rich got it. It's bullshit. It doesn't do it crap. It doesn't do shit. No, yeah, it yeah, sucks. It shouldn't it really be allowed doesn't. to bear the Sudafed name. I, yeah, no, I agree. It's like literally a placebo. Like this, yeah. it's, it's useless. But the, if you get the behind the counter stuff, that did help me go yeah, to sleep. Yeah, that shit. No, because that's what I've been taking because I was congested <laughs> as fuck for the past couple of days. Yeah. So I've been going nuts on that. But no, there was well... like, I remember the first few days I couldn't, I maybe that's just the phase you're in, but like for me, it didn't last that long. The brain fog cleared up, and then I was just cold. But my fucking yeah. food is still not here. But we should probably. Have Where'd it. you order from? Uh, Saloniki. I was really craving the Greek. Somewhere the witch cackles. <laughs> yeah, which is it's just getting more and more delayed. But there is a man with my food apparently. What did we ever figure out if you had a curse in life, Brendan? I have the um, grow up curse. Some people say my hair is too thick. <laughs> That's not that's like that's, that's another like braggadocious. That's like another my, um, my, <laughs> my I've been told I'm too weakness, nice and helpful. Yeah. My only weakness is that I, I do Have... too much for others. Yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> I care about my job too much. <laughs> <laughs> I just I have difficulty stopping work at the end of the day. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Why Did We Watch This, the podcast where three friends sit down, have a nice themed cocktail, watch a troubled movie, and then talk about what we liked, what we didn't like, and how we could all do it better, because we're so smart. I am your host for this week, <laughs> Lee, the Davin Bros, Delahanty. I am Brendan, 1967 Chateau Baptiste. Trishler. <laughs> and I'm Chris. Don't blow away out there. Ravel. And if you could not tell from those nicknames, we have just finished watching 2020's Midnight at the Magnolia, directed by Max McGuire, starring our boy Evan Williams. Dear Evan Williams. Natalie, <laughs> Dear Evan Williams. <laughs> and Natalie Hall. And frankly, I don't Passed know who else firmly is on mentioning. Arm. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no one else is anyone you'll know in this movie. It's fine. It's okay. Firmly it's... in Netflix trash territory. Yeah, this is this is one of Netflix's early answers to the Hallmark Christmas movie trash. Although interestingly, they went for New Year's me. trash. Yeah, they went for New Year's trash, which is mm. as we discussed previously, not a thing you really see. Although nope. um, I want to borrow a phrase or paraphrase uh, something Lee said earlier, which is this is pretty much this is the same like Xanax cinema oh, yeah. that we get. Yeah. Like <laughs> Xanax film. 
Yeah, yeah. It's, it, it's 100% a Hallmark style movie, even if it takes place at New Year's instead of Christmas. Yeah. Right? Eight out of Which 10 is... doctors do recommend this movie as an alternative to Xana <laughs> if it is unavailable in your area. Listen, I mean, it could have been the COVID, but I was laying there just like staring vacantly into the screen and it felt very good. <laughs> we're recording this entirely remotely. It's the first time we've ever tried to do this. We somehow managed to get through like three years of COVID without having to not record in person, which is really impressive because Lee had COVID at one point and we just yep. managed to work around it. Right. This time, Chris has COVID now. I got diagnosed maybe like five days before yeah. we were going to record. Yeah, so the last time, I think when I got it, we had at least an episode in the bank and we didn't yeah. have to record anytime soon mm -hmm. and yeah, we i had... tested negative before we needed to record again right well, we and... had like a, a a leeway there but with this one it was like no we have like this one week where we can record and then chris got diagnosed with covid mm -hmm. yeah um which is super fun super great timing happened on new year's <laughs> eve so you happy know, new year's um, happy just new like years. really glad that you know go going into the new year covid finally took me down um but uh, no, there was you one were... time, oh. there's one one other time that we did this, or we tried to, and it was sort of mixed, both people in person. Uh, yeah. Um, when I, because when I broke my leg. Also because of you, yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, where we had three people in a room and you calling in via, yeah. I can't even remember what app we would have used at I, the time. I believe but, yeah. it was Discord. Probably um, Discord, yeah. Uh, which... Uh, it wasn't bad, but I don't know how it called a success. No, it was a noble try. Yeah. 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 But, but then there was also the period where Lee was away and the boys got to play. That's <laughs> right. Where Lee, I, I couldn't even have recorded if I wanted to. Right. Where Lee yeah. was gone for like two full episodes or something like that. And so yeah. we just had to like keep, we like dragooned Meg and Brendan into the episodes. <laughs> we were like, we need, we can't just be two people. We need a third person there. Someone yeah. else has to say things too. Yeah. I wouldn't have had anything intelligent to say during at least one of those episodes where I was just <laughs> in a hospital for a week watching yep. Riverdale with insomnia and like a, ch a tube in my chest that's true i also i had to drag us back but we got to talk about this oh my god <laughs> yeah i guess so, we should talk about the thing we were fully just like gabbing just, just reminiscing just having yeah. a cab all right so, you know as you do on new year's so actually this is really thematically appropriate yeah and you also tell the truth at christmas <laughs> yeah, tell the you know what christmas. i like the most about the kids in this radio show they always tell the truth guys you that's tell what i think christmas, is and at new year's you reminisce that's right. Oh, I like that. I like that. That's the that's the that's oh the aphorism God. we all know and yeah. love. I'm um, writing it down on a piece of poster board and holding it up to you now. <laughs> so, Brendan, obviously, to get through this movie, we needed to have something to drink, or at least the, yes. those of us who weren't already half dead with sickness. <laughs> uh, so, what did we drink? So the drink that we made for this was called a Magnolia Moonlight, and it is very mm. simple. It was just chocolate stout beer, sparkling rosé wine, and raspberry simple syrup. Raspberry simple syrup, of course, is a very easy thing to make. It's just equal parts sugar, water, let it heat up, let it mix, toss in some raspberries at the end, let it cool down, strain everything out, and there's your simple right there. For the drink itself, we did one part chocolate stout, two parts rosé, and a little splash of raspberry simple syrup in a glass. Very straightforward. 
Yeah. Uh, which so two two of us did this. Lee, you and I did this separately. We made our own cocktails, yep. <laughs> and uh, Chris Chris did not because he's already we not here. Person in the house to help you drink the rest of the whole bottle of sparkling rosé that you bought. Which yeah, I have to somehow I have to work through within. Uh, I also a day. I also have the, this whole bottle of chocolate stout that I have to finish too. So there's yeah. there's a lot of crap I got to work my way through. Uh, how how did you like the cocktail though, Lee? Uh, I actually liked it quite a bit. It was it's not good with food because it unless you're drinking. Any Yes, I think it's a dessert drink. It is, it is a very desserty sort of drink. Yeah. Yeah, but it, it's I had it twice because um, I, I had my first one yesterday. I used less stout on the second one, um, and I think that neither of us really measured the syrup. Yeah, I think we agree it doesn't take much. I think that right. the stout's pretty sweet. The rosé is pretty sweet. You do not need a lot of syrup to really mm-hmm. like bring it home, but a yep. little syrup does help. I think we nailed the red velvet. We wanted to have it taste like that kind of red velvet cake. Yeah. Now, I had a... My brother gave me a bunch of stouts that I was frankly never going to drink otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> is and that the one to, to be used? No, I happen to have... Brandon used a different one. He used whatever yep. he could get at Blanchard's, but I had a chocolate cake stout in the, the mm. batch of six that I bought, so I used that one. Yeah, which sounds really good, frankly. That does yeah. sound really nice. I think I yeah. went a little too heavily on the raspberry. I think I could have had a little bit of a more firm hand when I was splashing that syrup in my drink. But um, <laughs> on the whole, I think it worked out pretty well, actually. Yeah, it was a nice. Would you, yeah. would you toast with it at midnight? I would for my midnight kiss. <laughs> my first midnight kiss. Should we? Should we? practice or midnight kiss for <laughs> 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 well, the listeners i was doing the, the meek finger the finger tap of oh like what i mean if it's not too much trouble i was just thinking sir. of the the, the beep thing where it's like what if we kissed at midnight <laughs> at the magnolia on a live stream in front of our parents and bosses yeah and then the uh, like the little like shy faces you're like yes. the what if we kissed see. oh no <laughs> yeah, that's basically this movie. Brendan, I understand that you've had to sort of homunculus your own synopsis of this. Oh, yes, I did. Nice. I Frankenstein's monstered my synopsis of this. I took a lot of it from um, Lifetime Uncorked, which we also took for our last uh, Christmas yeah. episode of Date by Christmas Eve. Continued big ups to Lifetime Uncorked. <laughs> yeah, Patrick Serrano apparently is the writer behind Lifetime Uncorked. Yeah, I looked because we... I wanted to attribute. Patrick, you're Patrick, you're a real one. Thank I you. Would, yeah. I gotta like get my. I gotta get involved with Patrick Serrano. He's. I think he's, so. He's <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I did some minor edits to remove some editorializing and clarify some plot points. But Chicagoans Maggie and Jack are two longtime friends and morning radio show hosts at ninety-eight point eight The Breeze FM. Maggie is color inside the lines type A personality, and Jack is a laid-back casual guy. It's the day after Christmas, and they recap their holiday on the radio. Maggie and Jack's family is her longtime friends and co-owners of the Magnolia Jazz Bar, where they host a big dinner for both clans every year. The two debate about when it is appropriate to bring dates to family events. Maggie doesn't want to bring her boyfriend Hunter, even though they've been together for several months, and Jack isn't bringing his girlfriend Serena, whom he has only been dating for a short while. The combination talk slash advice show, The Windy City Wake Up, is popular locally, and their producer Dev is trying to close a business deal where satellite radio, it's very important to note that in the movie, there is no name for the satellite radio company. It's just called Satellite Radio, capital Definitely. S, capital R. It's not like 
XM or Sirius. It's just <laughs> their business is satellite radio. Right. We'll air the program nationally, even though their show is booming. The Magnolia is not. No one seems to care about the history of the jazz bar anymore. To solve both these issues, Maggie and Jack agree to host a New Year's Eve event at the Magnolia where they will introduce their significant others to their families. This will boost both the profile of the Magnolia and their show. The only problem is that Serena and Hunter break up with Jack and Maggie, seemingly because the two of them spend too much time together. Jack and Maggie pretend to date, something their fans have apparently been hoping for, to ensure the radio show is picked up and to boost ratings. Maggie and Jack awkwardly attempt to convince Deb and their families that they are indeed really dating. All parties are surprised and delighted by this change of events, as the families have long hoped this would happen. While walking with Jack, Maggie sees Hunter with another woman at a coffee shop. To cheer her up, Jack takes her sledding and the two share a delightful day together. The pair also keep up appearances in public and even slow dance at a party hosted by satellite radio honcho Judd Crawford. There we see Jack at slightly jealous when Judd's assistant Sebastian appears to be flirting with Maggie. Later, Maggie's sister reminds her how at their high school prom, Jack stood her up at the last minute so he could instead take a girl named Bianca, who he had a crush on at the time, and warns Maggie against getting too invested in Jack too quickly. As a result of her unresolved feelings, Maggie seems to be more overtly into this fake relationship than perhaps Jack is. We also find out that Maggie has never had a New Year's Eve kiss, and that Jack used to write and perform music. Maggie reminds Jack of their annual tradition where they celebrate the memory of Maggie's late mother, and Jack promises that he will be at her apartment for dinner and a viewing of It's a Wonderful Life. The next day, Jack and Maggie are helping their families prepare the Magnolia for the live show when Maggie's father gives Jack Maggie's mother's wedding ring. He expresses his desire for Jack to give it to Maggie when the time is right and reiterates how much the family support their relationship. Jack <laughs> feels uncomfortable about the charade and leaves. By chance, he bumps into Bianca, the girl he took to prom instead of Maggie. She asks Jack to get a drink, and the pair talk about how even back then everyone assumed Jack and Maggie would get together. Jack loses track of time and misses his appointment with Maggie. He apologizes, but Maggie is done with him. It wants to stop pretending that they're dating. On New Year's Eve, the event sells out and the satellite radio team prepares a live stream. Before the show starts, Jack spies Maggie talking with her ex-boyfriend Hunter and believes they have reignited their relationship. Jack invites Bianca to come with him to the show, but insists to Maggie that it's only as a friend. Unbeknownst to Maggie, this is true. We see that Bianca is attracted to Judd's assistant Sebastian and goes off to pursue him. Regardless, Maggie is tired of the whole ordeal and decides to come clean live on air. She tells Jack that she wasn't lying to him and she is in love with him. As she is about to leave, Jack tells Maggie that he's in love with her too and was afraid to admit it because he's afraid of committing himself to her. He plays her a song he has been writing since high school that he only just realized has always been about her. Maggie is touched by this and the two kisses the crowd applauds. Despite their deceit, Judd Crawford still wants to be in business with them and agrees to broadcast their show nationally. The movie ends with an epilogue showing Jack and Maggie once again sledding together. They celebrate their one-year anniversary and Jack proposes to Maggie with her mother's ring. She says yes and the two kiss. Now, I know you said you <laughs> removed all the editorializing, but the whole, like, despite their deception, Judd somehow <laughs> decides that they should sign a contract. Yeah, I think that's a fair editorialization no, no, to fair. make. I, I just I, I started to lose it at um, Jack Placer, a song he's been writing since high school that he just realized was about her. Hmm. He did. Yeah. It took Bianca to point out so that he weird. had been writing a song about someone. <laughs> Just as a sidebar, this just occurred to me on the way home from work. I cannot believe we didn't use Evan Williams bourbon as part of our drink. I really feel like we missed <laughs> an opportunity there. I forgot. Okay. Oh, I did like, too. If he does literally, 
Um, yeah. we, need, we need to be on Evan Williams' uh, uh, work alert. You know what I mean? So, like, <laughs> yeah. as soon as that Meriwether movie comes out, we're all over it. As soon as literally the next thing he does is on, we need to, like, figure it out. Yeah. When Once we're all we well again, we should get together with Evan Williams and just, like, do a shot. And then we'll, <laughs> we'll, like, post it on Insta and we'll tag Evan Williams. <laughs> Maybe it's not a thing in Canada. And that's... Maybe it's not. <laughs> Maybe it's not a thing in Canada. <laughs> We have to get into this movie, and I, I wanted to start with, there are two main tropes at play simultaneously mm-hmm. in this movie, mm-hmm. and I don't think they get along very well. I no. agree. I don't our cocktail. No. These two flavors don't play don't nice go, together. Yeah, this, this is not chocolate and peanut butter. Yeah, yeah this is the anti-Reese's cup. Yes. These two drugs are having a weird interaction. <laughs> yeah, so the two tropes that we want to talk about here are, and I think we just kind of talk about what they are and how they work in different stories is uh, right. friends to lovers mm-hmm. which, because they're childhood friends. And in this movie, they've been friends for since high school. Since high school. But like earlier, though, right? Are, no, earlier, even. Because their families have known each yeah. other for like forever, right? I think they would. I think they've been best friends maybe since the beginning of high school or something like that, maybe. Yeah, but they've known their families have been friends for right. well because their dads have been in business. Yeah. Oh, together. yeah, they have. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah so as we, as Maggie says in the movie, our dads are like a package deal. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. We'll go into them later. And uh, we also have the classic <laughs> uh, fake relationship trope. Right. Right. Where they have to, uh, for reasons, uh, pretend to be in a relationship. <laughs> There have been whole movies made about both of these things on their yes. own. Yes. Many, many, all, many movies. You got when Harry Met reason... Sally. Yes. You got yeah, Holidays. <laughs> Two pieces of the pot, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> Two movies of equivalent quality, yes. <laughs> this is weirdly a less skillful When Harry Met Sally, because this movie seems to posit that, like, no, men and women can never just be friends. You yeah. always have to get always together hard. at the end. Your family will not be happy until the two of you Ooh. are paired up. To be um, fair, like both movies sort of posit that, except that like when Harry Met Sally has actual point A to point B growth, right. they don't like each other. And then they have like a sort of frenemy thing and then they uh-huh. gradually get close during a time of like, you know, intensity for one of the the people and they sort of like get over their, their bickering bullshit. There's growth. Granted, we don't see, like we don't see how they're like in high school or eighth grade or college However, everything we do see, like, again, I put this to you guys off mic. If Jack always acts this way, if how he acts in the two hours of this movie is consistent with how he always is around Maggie, it's inconceivable that even that nobody realizes that he wants to fuck her. Well, and it makes sense why it then makes sense why the parents are like so hot for this idea because they've been seeing him like trying to make it happen yeah. for so long. Like Alleg- it's one I thing mean, if like you're if you're you're really good friends, but to to be like to to be hanging out with somebody all night and then when the party's over to be like, do you want to come around like just me and you and I'll make peace right. for you because I don't want to stop being with you currently. Right. That's such a how does a red flag not go off in either of your heads? Right. And then they're also like, let's go on this like whole montage of a day together where we're like sledding and doing other like wintry fun cute things together yeah. and you're like and then, and then this after is a I date it's just pizza, straight up a date after i make you pizza let me walk you home 
as well. Like while we're at it, it's and not we can end practice there. our we can practice our kissing for New Year's <laughs> Eve. Oh no, I would hate it if we didn't kiss right. What if yeah. it looks awkward on New Year's Eve? <laughs> what will the live stream think? Yeah, the, I, I would love for the fans to be like, "Boo, kiss the <laughs> bad kiss, use more tongue." <laughs> so that is, I think, kind of the sort of insurmountable problem for the just simply the friends to lovers trope where the like the thing that you have to and it's not like it's not an issue that you can't overcome i said insurmountable that's not the right word probably but like it's not an issue that you can't overcome but you have to come up with a logical explanation as to why these two like never tried before Mm -hmm. especially like especially when you have a couple a couple of friends who have been friends for as long as these two people have you need to have a pretty good reason as to why these two never got together and i guess this movie probably posits that the reason why these two never got together is because he kind of stood her up on prom but like like, yeah right so like also like that's a whole other issue right there like maggie and her sister seem weirdly preoccupied about prom something that happened 18 years ago (laughs) and they're both just sort of like not right and they're both just sort of like not over this and they're like i still wouldn't trust him because of prom that happened so fucking long ago either you had to have come to terms with this by now or it had to have come up in conversation at some point like if this is that big a deal to you you should have said something to him by now and the other thing is too when they first have this conversation about prom it feels to me the way the sister tells it it sounded almost to me he stood her up literally the night of prom or something Mm -hmm. but the way that it comes about whenever bianca tells the story was it implies maggie was crying in a bathroom after jack asked her to take bianca instead it's a couple of things that we didn't get the first time around it's not like it was literally the night of prom and he just didn't show up and was like jk going with bianca instead he asked her in advance she said yes and then was sad about that's kind of almost a different story then too because if you're just going as friends i think it's kind of a little understandable if someone were to come up to you and be like actually this person i have a crush on wants to go with me is that okay like i'm not saying it's not kind of dickish because this person probably has a dress and probably made plans and all that crap but like it's a little bit more understandable than the initial idea I was getting in my head too and also Mm -hmm. if you had feelings for him at that point that would have been a time to bring it up right Mm -hmm. exactly and so in that Mm -hmm. that, at least in that way like it's more of a mutual you both have problems right yes both have problems that you're not acknowledging here one of you is dumb and one of you refuses to speak (laughs) up I also just think it's like it is insane for adults in their 30s I'm assuming um, to care this much about prom that was 15 years ago, probably at this point more, yeah. um, like let it go. It doesn't, yeah. I mean, I, now, I get that that was traumatic and bad or whatever, but you, it, you're still even, friends with him. It clearly wasn't that big of a deal. Right. And I think yeah. the thing is too, you have perfectly logical, re- you could have perfectly logical reasons for not wanting to date this person still. And maybe the idea is that like this guy never seems to be able to commit to anything. So maybe it's just kind of like, even though you are sort of into him, he doesn't seem to like take the concept of relationship seriously. So that's making you think like, oh, it's not worth the risk to get involved mm-hmm. with that. It yeah. is sort of classic to like, <laughs> I just love that this lifetimey Hallmarky movies idea of a man who can't commit is like he can't commit to the relationship, but he's just going to dote on his female best friend. <laughs> he's yes. gonna act like <laughs> married, but right, right, like, guys, he's not in a relationship with her. It's 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 it does exist in real life of like people who are like 
there's something really frightening to them about even adopting like the term of like a relationship or whatever, but we'll still kind of go through the behaviors of one. Uh, but I'm just like, it is insane how much he is like princely to her. And right. he's like, oh, but you know, I just, I can't commit. I don't know about that. It's a little weird to me in this movie, just a little weird that Jack's girlfriend, Serena, never shows up in the movie. Mm. And like, it's again, that's not like the biggest issue at play here. But the first time I saw this, I almost was thinking it would be a thing where he had made her up. It was just that like he never really has a girlfriend, but he doesn't want her to feel sorry for him. So he's just been kind of like bullshitting people. And he's that's like, it. oh, like I'm dating Serena. And before that, I'm dating Denise. And like, that's a all way more interesting exist. thought than the movie would ever have. Oh, yeah, 100%. For. Whereas in this one, Serena is fucking Maris and she just never. Yeah shows up at all ever <laughs> i i watched it probably on your recommendation i think after it came out and all i could remember vaguely in the back of my head was that like later on at like very a pretty late point in the game another woman shows up and poses a complication for them but i could not remember who it was and there was a little part of me thinking like is it serena like does his ex-girlfriend show back up and is like hey it's me again i got my shit together and i decided i want to be with you but no it's like the other complication woman who shows up again you wouldn't know Bianca her. She's Bell. in Canada. I also had a similar thought about Serena not being there. I also just thought it was so weird that we spend like two scenes with our main gal's disposable starter boyfriend. Hunter. Yeah, Hunter, Hunter with his fucking sweater vests. Yeah. She cares more about being dumped by Hunter and he cares a laughably non-existent amount <laughs> about like every time he mentions Serena, he's like, "Yeah, whatever. I broke. We broke up. It's fine. Yeah. I don't actually care. I didn't like her." It's he. The amount of times he states, "Like I knew it wasn't going to last." It's like, wait, the alarm bells in your head that you're going on. Like, what does that They're tell like you? Stunningly cavalier about their significant others on the air, which is I like know. an insane thing to do. I feel like you cannot. And it's also weird to me that like they say them by name, and name. Maggie also states that her boyfriend, her ex boyfriend Hunter, is like all over her social media. So like, even if she didn't state him by name, you could, with a modicum of effort, go online and figure out who this person is dating. If you're going to be that upfront with like who these people actually are, IRL, that you also just talk about like like, oh, I don't think it's really working out with them, or like. I don't think he's right. ready to meet my parents. Like that's the reason to break up with them, frankly. Mm -hmm. If you're well, if you're dating this person who every morning on their show is talking about you and airing your dirty laundry live on air. Yeah, but imagine <laughs> also this: if you were dating someone for six months or whatever, however long I've been dating, and then you broke up with them, and then you heard them over, like overheard them later on in the street or whatever, and they're just like, "Yeah, I knew it wasn't gonna last. So I'm not not a big deal." Like, imagine the <laughs> anger you would feel. Exactly. Exactly. Like, fuck you, dude. <laughs> Jesus um, Christ! What a waste I, of my time. My right? six months. <laughs> I also just thought it was wild to bring them up by name and just be like, and yeah. that's why that is a we lie, won't bring them home to meet our parents yeah, for Christmas like, like at this a, holiday party that we celebrities. go to, but they, they are not worthy. Yeah. And I'm like, what do you guys do? <laughs> why? Like, you guys are parallel celebrities. You have social media accounts. You cannot <laughs> drop the names of your partners. Yes, exactly. On your show. Oh it's also God. like it, it's a little parasocial to me too that all their listeners are so invested in their boyfriends meeting their parents or like their significant mm -hmm. others meeting their parents like it's just yeah, a but... strange thing to think that there are people in chicago champing at the bit being like i can't wait to see the episode where their parents meet their significant others yeah, like that's I mean, kind that of insane is, it's insane but that is that is like oh no no i know that's 100 percent no. true that's like there there are definitely like again like i said parasocial relationships out there yeah. where people are like bizarrely invested in the lives of people they will 
never meet. I did find it hard to accept, though, that, like, meeting the parents is some kind of, like, event that you have at a, a ratings booster for an audience yeah <laughs> or like a ratings booster it's like a life event or it's like an event in the timeline of a relationship certainly yeah um i can see that meaning something if you're like a youtube star and that's something you're vlogging about maybe yeah. i guess i'm just finding it really hard to believe that introducing who you're dating to your parents is something you're going to do on stage at like a new year's party and for a radio yeah. show too at a well, paid event like huh do we have anything to say about the other half of this which is the fake relationship trope the one thing i wanted to mm. say was that i had to pause this movie last night watching it because a scene where he gets a jack gets given a, a wedding ring from like a, a family heirloom wedding ring from <laughs> maggie's mom and he has this moment of like kind of panic and fear and guilt about the deception he's been and i had to pause because i was like i remembered a scene that i couldn't even i didn't even think it was this same type of scene but i was like what am i thinking of right now and then i realized i was thinking of a scene from the proposal where sandra bullock's character gets like a day out with the family and they give her again like the mother's wedding dress and they shout right right love. right betty white's there and she's yeah. talking about like like this is this is my beloved wedding dress from when i got married to you know my husband years yeah, ago yeah and they're, and they're like we're gonna do all this stuff for you and she, and she also hasn't had a family in, in a lot of years because she lost her family at a young age and then she has a whole freak out and like drives a boat out in the middle of the water to yell at Ryan Reynolds about like how like how could he you know like if you love your parents like how could you do this to them like I you know and it was like I was like oh yes it's because I've seen the better version of this scene <laughs> in a different movie about a fake relationship um, um, but yeah like it's it's that is definitely the better version of that trope yeah they have this they have the event going of we're gonna introduce our uh, Serena and Hunter. Yep. to uh, our respective parents and then they break up i could not tell in the world of that movie was it clear to the fans that they have broken up and there was just going to be some other surprise happening it's not or... because later on in the movie jack is on the air and says live on air and of course the new year's eve special where we'll be introducing our significant others to our parents and it's just like right. yeah. why are you continuing this charade despite the fact that you've already broken up like people in real life if the people are that invested in your personal life someone's going to like stalk your boyfriend on instagram and see that he's like posting a picture with some other woman getting coffee and they're going to be like oh my god he's cheating on her and it's going to become like a whole fucking internet thing like yep. so w why not just say like on air yes we broke up with our significant others but we have a really exciting announcement about yes. our personal lives coming up that you won't want to miss winky winky right. it should right. have absolutely have been that and not like yeah it's that that makes sense it's like yeah it's, it's just like one more level of deceit that this movie does not need you know it's like you it's yeah. unless unless like the whole point of your movie is that they keep spinning a bigger and bigger web of deceit which is not really the case here it's kind of all the same yeah. ball of wax yeah so it's just why are we even tagging this in at the end but yeah I, really it becomes a, a piece of the puzzle only because because they they had one hook for the party, which was we're right. going to introduce our partners. They don't have partners anymore. They need a new, like uh, again, new yeah. a new bait, a new piece of bait to throw out there to the audience. It's um, really and that's a, it's a fake relationship plot on kind of three places when you think about it, because it's the relationship uh, that they present to their parents as uh, mm -hmm. we are now together. But then to the public, there's two relationships that they are attempting to portray that do not really exist anymore which is his with Serena and hers with Hunter. 
Yeah. yeah, it's weird that like their parents at no point are like, hey, why are you still pretending to date other people on the radio too? Like just yeah, I don't know, it feels like a thing up. you might say. The other thing I wanted to say about this trope, which it doesn't we don't get the fruits of it at all in this movie, is that the reason you do this trope is so that you have two people that don't actually want to be together at first have to do the the cute couple things and that makes them like right fall in love with each other i mean you get like yeah. i guess you get a little bit of that but like you would have gotten that anyway because you get like mm-hmm. the sled date is like the one yeah, thing right you right. don't but like they that's how they are already they're like right. that he's giving she's giving him her leftovers in right. scene two of the movie like yeah. they're already a couple <laughs> for the whole movie so because they're already friends to lovers and they're already basically fucking in that stage anyway like you don't even get any of the, they're already like yeah again they're pining over each other they're mooning over each other they like they fawn over each other so there's never any moment of like oh no again the i think where they try to have their cake and eat it too which doesn't work is the is the like what if we kissed now what if, what if we practiced kissing what something that two grown kissing? adults definitely should and need to do yeah <laughs> i'm amazed that they managed to awkward kiss in that first scene because how do you not instantly like again? How do you know? How is their first kiss not instantly like a full on makeout sesh at that point? I don't yeah. know. And also, like, since like, oh, I'm sorry, but especially since like, I feel like, I mean, I'm not trying to be, you know, crude or anything, but you're in your mid 30s. You're not like going in for just like, you're just little packages. The way that she's like, okay, do it. And then she makes the most grotesque. Face that's up. what I that's what I was gonna say too. It's just weird that it's like the most awkward. And I get that it like it's a movie and we have contrivances that we all just sort of overlook because it's fiction. But like right. they have the most awkward kiss ever immediately. Where they're, they're both like literally almost making like faces kissing each other. And he like switches her twice, like on the cheek in a really ridiculous fashion as the parents and their producer Deb shows up. And they're all just like, oh, what's this? Oh. What's this? some smooching going on here and i feel like if i walked in on someone doing that i'd be like are you rehearsing for a play or something like yeah. what the fuck is wrong also, with the way you're kissing yeah it looks like he's also you're blocking her off. with his mouth <laughs> the fucking like xenomorphic alien he like goes like, in <laughs> back and forth in various yeah. spots like he's like getting all the vital organs yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's like a bird pecking yeah or like like snatching up worms from the ground just <laughs> knowing that you can see why they would need to practice their kissing frankly yeah they do need, they do need that practice yeah um all right if we, if that's if that's all we need to say about that um we can dive back into the, the sort of dumbass plot of this <laughs> the it's <writing>. so bad <laughs> like some of the i just want to talk about the scene where they're having pizza in that's one of the shining examples of how bad the dialogue is. Mm-hmm. Where they're having pizza after the 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 Judd Nelson or whatever the fuck party. <laughs> you Judd Hirsch's party, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I don't know what his name is. Judd his name is something. Judd Crawford. Judd Crawford. Oh my God. I, I feel like you should know it because they say his name like 30 times throughout yeah. the movie. Like people will just randomly shout Judd Crawford. Judd Crawford. The radio king of Chicago. <laughs> yes. <yeah>. The satellite <laughs> radio king, Judd Crawford. <laughs> yeah. But when they're having that scene. They're talking, they have the dumbest as fuck line. Again, it's just like me at 2 a.m. at Emerson College junior year. And I'm <laughs> Crapping like, out dialogue just so you yeah. can like have it done. Yeah. Just get the pages in there, man. Because they say things <laughs> like, like what, they, they have like, oh, like, what are we going to do for your mother's memorial rewatch? It's a wonderful life. And, and Evan Williams does his best to spice up the delivery of some of those lines. He does. And then at the end, it's like, what, what should we toast to? And she's like, it's a wonderful life and he's like it's a wonderful life indeed and i'm like what is happening what? 
This is the dumbest dialogue. It, it it contributes to this very like sleepy headspace in which you're like nothing really sticks and yep. that Xanax feeling yeah, yeah. set in. Mm-hmm. It's probably writing... one of the easier movies to watch on COVID. <laughs> That's true. You have no idea. It doesn't challenge you in any way. It asks in, nothing in of no, you. In no way, shape, or form am I challenged. I thought overall was a was an improvement over the plot of uh, Date by Christmas Eve because oh, sure. at least oh, yeah. I can I see that there's like a product that I could believe exists out there. Like two conventionally attractive people have a radio show where they give love advice. Sure, I got that. But yeah. this movie isn't then also asking me to believe that this like janky ass app exists mm. or you know so that part... i do want to talk a little about the radio show that they have here it. though which i think I, I mentioned to you guys earlier just that i i think it's it's a little so at first when i first saw this i assumed it was just your typical morning blather talk show where it's just like two randos from a town just like you need people this is just like what radio stations are like you just have a morning show where it's just two people yammering back and forth about the news or local events or sports whatever the fuck that is and like all these towns all these radio stations have people like that and that's totally fine i get that that makes sense to me. Then you add also the idea that this is a call-in show where they're dispensing advice. And apparently that is a big part of their radio show, despite the fact that this is, it's also just called like Wake Up Chicago or some Wake Up Windy City or some bullshit. Like that's not even called like, like you Windy know, like, City Wake Up. Right. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's not called Let Us Help You Chicago or some crap like that, right? So like <laughs> Windy City Wake Up sounds like like uh, just a basic bitch morning show. You could have just had it something like Love Line, Broken Hearts okay. Chicago. Right, just right, right, give right. us something that is indicating its relationship Here's my advice. question. Yeah. Because I, again, honest question, because I watched 75% of this movie recently and the, the rest of the 25% a month or two ago. Right. But do they say ever explicitly it's an advice show whenever they first talk about perpetuating the charade dear evan williams says with a national show would be able to help people across the country which i wrote down which implies to me that they think there is some overt value they're helping people with the sound of their dulcet tones and their anodyne drive time chatter Um, (laughs) that line also that you pointed out Brendan about like we could help so many people that also so I guess we just put that together into advice show I suppose I mean I I have to assume that that's kind of what it is but then it's also the issue of what I told you guys earlier it's that like neither one of these people is like seems to have right like they don't seem to have any sort of background and to be fair we don't know anything about these people really we don't know what they went to college for if they have some sort of degree who knows anyway you're not quite qualified to like offer actual professional help that's fine i think on a radio show isn't that the dr laura thing how she's a doctor of physical education or some dumb shit like that and like she's not really like a therapist but like people will still call in and she'll yell at them anyway I, i think that's fine in a radio show what strains credibility for me is when the head of satellite radio judd crawford hears your show and is like this is a void that needs to be filled we need two boring white people talking back and (laughs) forth about their families and offering vague advice to each other on a national level nowhere else in the u.s can you get what these two have that's where i'm like okay sure yeah right exactly and so it's like if if there lee you had said like if there was some sort of hook it would never be this but yeah the one hook that i thought of is that and i might re- probably gonna incorporate this into my fix is that Go one of it. them is an intelligent licensed person of some degree maybe they're a psychologist maybe they're a therapist maybe they're just like a social worker or something um and the other is i think it's probably gonna be jack is just a himbo we'll say <laughs> they're party person they offer their you know they just vibing then it would be called uh the thoughts and the thought 
Like, you know, I mean, honestly, oh my god, that's such a out. better hook than just like two people kind of talk about whatever's on their mind and their crazy families. The yeah. thought and the thought, I love that. Yeah, so you got like, yeah, you call in and you get the I, advice of a of a frat boy and an mm-hmm. intelligent person, and a qualified a professional. Yes, yeah. the qualified professional. <laughs> I agree. I think it's fine again if they're just local, they're popular locally. But I think you need to either be like hilarious, and like right. I, I, maybe if you were more of a specifically branding yourself as a comedy show, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, because you think of someone like like you know not someone I really listen to per se, but like a Howard Stern type where it's like this person yes. has like, right. despite the fact that like on paper, there's nothing really that special about what they're doing. Like by force of will and personality, they have carved out a niche for themselves. Yep. That's what you need. Something like that here. If that's what, if all you're going to do is be like, it's a show where people just call in and they talk about whatever they feel like, then you need it to be this sort of thing where it's like, these personalities are like so nuts and so unique that no one else could possibly do what they do. But and of course, because or, it's yeah. like a made for TV holiday movie, you can't do that. So, no. Like, no, it's just not. like banter. Yeah. So you're well, like, you like super weak banter. Right. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. And everything. Because again, the movie can't write right. dialogue. It doesn't. Right. Whoever, I mean, it's not good. The writing. I had kind of uh, mentioned this, I think, during the Day by Christmas Eve episode where so many of these movies have like one simple complication and they keep throwing additional complications on top of it, on top of it, or like different plot elements on top of it to the point that like you're just wondering why are these things there for a movie like this you have the crux of the issue which is just these two people are pretending to be in a relationship together so that they can boost their numbers and get a nationally syndicated satellite radio talk show and then you also have the contrivances that throw in here too where also Sebastian kind of the assistant is kind of a contrivance a little bit Bianca shows up at the end and then literally with 15 minutes to spare Satellite radio honcho Judd Crawford says, I think you guys should have your own separate shows too, which is just like an insane plot thing to throw out there with 15 minutes to go where like you can't even begin to let that sink in or have the characters address it. You just have Jack really quickly say to Maggie something like, hey, I heard Judd Crawford says that we should have separate radio shows. And she's like, yeah, I think it's a good idea if we do different things now. So if that's your snag, that should be coming in earlier so that the entire movie is, I don't know, would we rather stay together at our local radio show or would we rather split up? and both have our own individual jobs on satellite radio network. I think, and again, kind of ties into what you said, Lee, how it's the two, these two tropes in rom-coms that are kind of thrown together haphazardly and don't quite hold up on their own. Because of something like that, you still have additional tropes and additional contrivances that keep getting piled on top of that as well. And, you know, like I said, you just really can't begin to spend the time to make them matter. So why are we even bringing them up at all? If Bianca wasn't in this movie, it really wouldn't affect things too, too much. And it's absurd because you feel like you've been prepped for like, oh, she's going to be some asshole, but she's completely like cool. And right, she's like, like the e- nicest person. Yeah, and even like supportive of the two of them getting together, which I thought was cool. It really does make uh, our gal and her sister look kind of crazy that they were like fucking Bianca from high school, probably still a monster. 
Yeah, I, I mean, I think there's there, there there is again also if you wanted to spend the time and shoe leather doing this correctly, you could probably do a thing where maybe they had this vision of Bianca in high school as like this horrible man stealing shrew, and then like mm. you meet her in real life and she's just sort of like, what? No, like I I had a crush on you, and then I realized that you were so hung up on your best friend that it would never work, so I dumped you. I think you should still get with her now. I think that would be fine. But again, yeah. the movie can't begin to juggle all these balls at once, so it all just no, sort of, of ends yeah. up. Yeah, I mean flopping. the Bianca thing. I want to touch on that. So yeah, I think. It- Overall, that's a great point that like this movie is kind of filled with these scenes where not much, not much happens because every time a new complication is introduced, it is solved within like a scene or yeah. dressed or or, right. or eliminated. Like, oh, how are we going to trick our parents into think we're dating? Oh, never mind. They think that we've been dating anyway. Right. Like um, they're so excited that they don't care. Yeah. And in, in the case of Bianca, like I know why it's there because there needs to be this moment of like one of them wants it to be real and, and, and it's not or whatever. But it makes, again, it makes absolutely no sense for multiple reasons because it doesn't really come off. It doesn't really make sense for Jack to like be that weird and dead. He's so thoughtful the whole time with Maggie for him to like n- forget the seven o'clock thing is not for that to time miraculously with her having this like weird conversation with her sister about specifically that woman. Right, right. Right, being right, the at, barrier. That, right at that moment. Yeah. And it triggering this argument. This argument has to happen, but it's like, It's like somebody was like, well, they have to argue about their relationship being fake. How are we going to get there? Well, they're going to argue about his ex from high school, I guess. Right. Right. And then they worked backwards from that weird moment. And like, it makes no sense. Like it doesn't, none of that tracks, none of the the journey from point A to point B tracks. You're just like, what? Like he, he decides he's even like not that enthusiastic about going to lunch with her. He's like, oh, I don't know about lunch. And she's like, no, 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 let's go to lunch. And for a second, you're like, Maybe she is a man-stealing whore. No. <laughs> she just wanted to catch up with them. And she's like, right. oh, I thought you were dating, you know, your radio host buddy. Like, no? Okay, well, you know, maybe I'll go with you to your fancy party then. If if you're not actually dating and I'm double-checking with you about that, we'll go as friends or whatever. It's it's just, yeah, there's so many banana what things about that. a bitch. Um... Yeah. <laughs> And I, I like oh, again, when we get to actors, I want to touch on that argument scene a lot more. I think truly the let's have our own shows thing is the most bonkers 11th hour. Why? Like, right. Yeah, no. Again, were why? you don't need package to. package deal. Right. And also, like, there's no reason for this complication to come in at this last minute. It doesn't change anything. No. It's not like the numbers are bad. Um, everything we understand about their fan base has them like rabid for whatever exactly. they do and say. So you know what's yeah. great like, for a, a will they won't they is to is to separate them. Yes, yeah, split the two up and have them not talk to each other <laughs> anymore. Them, yeah. Get, <laughs> That'll really for translate. Two, for two people that have great chemistry that we love listening to, let's separate them. Let's yeah. see how that goes. <laughs> yeah. Do we want to talk about the gusto that the families have as a separate thing, or do we want to lump that into like characters and actors? I think we can touch on it now. It's as part okay. of the 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 arc, the arc. So yeah. We talked about how the first like complication is like, ooh, they're they're stressed about tricking their their peers right. that mm-hmm. they're in a relationship. But the second they fake kiss in the worst way possible, Jack's parents show up and are like, fucking finally <laughs> waiting for you two guys. And then they share it with Maggie's dad and Maggie's dad is all like, here, have my fucking my wife's engagement ring. Right. Op- let's open this ancient wine that I've had like in a cellar yes. for 50 years. Let's no crack pressure. it open. And then like, no Maggie's pressure. literally like, we're just dating. We're not married yet. He's exactly. like, nope, got to open the wine. Oh, got to take the ring. And literally everyone is like, when, and even the t- t- producer they're worried about the producer they're worried about deborah and because they're like well deborah knows this really well and deborah's like well to be honest i thought you were fucking already like <laughs> yeah, exactly. like everyone you and, and 
And it, it's not not enough comedy is mined out of that for how dumb ever like they both are, Jack and Maggie. There, we should really be ha- if we're if they're going to be that stupid that we should have a lot more fun with their reactions. Like to be like, what? what? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. You thought we were dating already? <laughs> it doesn't yeah. really seem to phase them that much. No, no one's. Yeah, I mean, everyone's by just it, yeah. like everyone's just fucking thrilled. Like the parents yeah. have like the parents go at this with like the gusto of like two kings of old <laughs> uniting their kingdoms <laughs> together. Finally, like at long uh, last, finally our empires. Prosperous. Yes, <laughs> alliance. This will be. Yes, our kingdoms finally. will unite at long last. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, everyone's super be- yeah and they're just like all they had, all they do is just sort of like whew, and just wipe the sweat off their brow like yeah. that's one very it's like you should be pausing about that should give you more pause than it is giving yeah like, and, and 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 again also like like we said it's insane that maggie's dad gives jack maggie's dead mother's wedding ring after they've been dating for like two or three days yeah and like i get the ideas that like oh well you know these people like from the parents point of view it's like these people have known each other forever so there's always kind of been like a will they or won't they thing happening but like it's been days and he's like save this for when you're going to propose to her and Evan Williams, like, quite wisely is like, what if I don't propose to her? Then that's like, no, 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 you're yeah. going to propose to her. It's going to yeah, happen. Obviously, you're going to Her dead that. mom yeah. really thought it was going to happen. So no pressure. To be fair, he was right. He was right. Yeah. Uh, it also should be said that the dads are totally okay for each yeah. other. Listen, listen. It really, Maybe really, it was... really, really, really seems that way. I forget what the term is. Is it purple marriage? Maybe it was two purple <laughs> marriages. A plural marriage. See, my, my headcanon is that when Maggie's mom died, her dad like discovered the like the dormant feelings he had for Jack's dad and now Jack's mother is like on the fence constantly about like whether or not she wants this to be a threesome or whether she can't accept this and so that's why at the end at the party you keep seeing two shots of the dads together and you keep seeing one shot of the mom at the bar and you just have to imagine that she's just like drinking to numb the pain of her crumbling marriage while the two dads are standing (laughs) off in the corner being like I hope my kids get together that's too grim for this movie, though. Oh, no, it 100 percent is. But th- there is chemistry between these dads, mm-hmm. far more chemistry, I would dare to say, than there is between Jack and Maggie, both of whom I think like are pretty good in this movie. I think it's just because the dialogue is so fucking hacky that like you can't begin to, you know, strike these two pieces of wood together to try and make a spark. Right. I honestly think it's mostly because like the mom, Jack's mom has nothing to do. It's oh yeah, like the no, that's two true. Dads own this business, and what we care more about is the is the business than we right. care about like the families, and so we you just see them more. Yeah. Um, but l- listen, me personally, I like to believe that they are just a couple. They were just a swinging couple. That, they were just know, a what? Sorry, a, a swinging, swinging couple. couple. <laughs> yeah, but they would just swap. You know, it was swap just like spouses. a it was a whole poly situation. I mean, it was the '60s. What can yeah. I say? That's in the same. They're, they're all into jazz, again right? With the a <laughs> all smoking yeah. their jazz cigarettes, swapping spouses. <laughs> their cigarillos on long stems. <laughs> Listening to the Davin Bros. Yep, the Davin Bros. Let's wrap up with some discussion of the the characters and the acting. We'll start with our leads. Let's start with. Uh, Jack played by Evan Williams. Now, it's got to be said, the two characters in this movie are exceptionally stupid people. Yes, mm-hmm. very much so. Very. Both for their own reasons, but it's a heavy task laid upon these actors to portray these characters. 
I agree. I, I would say that it's like almost insurmountable to like have this make sense, you know, like right. no yeah. matter how much chemistry the two of you may have together, no matter how skilled the two of you are at spinning dross into gold, I just don't think there's like, you just can't quite get there. You yeah. know, the, thing, the script is impossible. I cannot imagine the director was that creative or really that like, you know, engaged. Um, I'm sure this was, they did not have much, you know, yeah. going for them on this one. What I will say mm-hmm. about Jack and Evan Williams is the the emotions and like the fear and the anxiety and the and the panic that you get from him in the scene with his dad and the the dad in the ring, and with the argument over their relationship and its status, is is our like if you take out the writing, are from a much better movie. Like the quality mm-hmm. of acting in those scenes yeah. is so much better. Like. Any that argument, you know, a, a lesser performer would have. It would have just been this, like, oh, really? Thank you for giving me the ring. But like, yeah, there's like genuine, pan, like, it's like, it's reminds me of that scene proposal. Yeah, here. there's like a yeah. lot of he's portraying like a fear that runs much deeper than the movie is prepared to deal with. In the he looks, writing. he looks much more um, disturbed. Yes. Um, and you can like, you really see that weight hitting him more. I yeah, think. it's mm-hmm. beyond it's it's the, the the again, we can't ruin the Xanax effect of the movie. But <laughs> Evan Williams is like, br- like breaking past that in those scenes. The yes. writing is still underplayed. But like, yeah, he's able to portray these scenes with much more gravity than is required of him. Yeah. Or probably also, expected. Yeah. Yeah. I also think that given again, how trite the dialogue and screenplay is for this movie i think he does a pretty good job at injecting it with some level of humor and charisma Mm -hmm. and charm and i i I think to be fair i think both the actors have charisma but i don't think they have chemistry if that makes any sense like i think either one on their own is like a likable persona but together it just never quite gels in the way that you want it to in a world where every other person in this movie is like i can't believe they finally got together we've been waiting for this for years you know I, I wanted to like his Evan Williams's character this movie I, I said in the last episode was the a, like a sort of inverted version of a day, a day by Christmas, Christmas Eve. Eve yeah so mm-hmm. you see him kind of play like the Maggie role in that movie where he's the sort of earnest lovey but what like character who's like you know in it from the get-go mm-hmm. just a sweet cinnamon role of a boy yeah um, and in this role gets to play this slightly spicier kind of like he's he's uh he's late to the show and he's he's the fast talking one and got a bit of a he's a little messy yeah. yeah he's a little yeah. hot mess of a boy <laughs> yeah uh anything to say about maggie i guess i feel like we've anything uh, i guess anything else to say about jack he's or Evan fine. Williams? Maggie again. Yeah, I think she's fine. I don't have a lot of else to judge her on and it is harder to rate so it's harder to look past the bad writing I think when you haven't seen them do anything else. But yeah. I do think that it's an earnest performance. Like she's mm-hmm. she plays the again it's a remarkably stupid character somebody who <laughs> as opposed to Jack who like is clearly doting on someone that he claims not to want to be in a relationship with. What we have to believe of Maggie is that she has been in love with him but like forgot that she was in love with him for a great part of her adult life yeah because her sister has to then remind her like by the way aren't you in love with him and she's like it's almost like oh yeah oh yeah i was (laughs) and i guess i still am 
Um, and that, and have to have that heel turn at the end. We're like, why are you going with Bianca again? It's like, yeah, I, I guess it is a little strange. You feel like the easy thing for a movie like this to do would be that she is hung up on him. You know that, like, yeah. you get that from the get go that she has never like not been in love with him for yeah, her entire but she, life. But instead, she truly seems broken up about breaking up with Hunter. Yeah, she and does. upset about how fast Hunter moves on. Right. Yeah. And no, then it's she like does. someone tells her. Uh, by the way, you actually should be in love with uh, Jack. And she's like, oh, right. Movie is about that now. <laughs> so it's, it's, she just kind of unfortunately has to come off as like emotional, like uh-huh. an emotional woman. Yeah. Because she just kept, it just, it just says, yeah, when you watch it, you're like, well, she's just bouncing around between all these emotions. Way too I think fast. It's, it's also probably a little harder for her to pop because she's playing like the uptight type A personality character, mm-hmm. whereas Evan Williams gets to play kind of like the fun one who gets to be like a little bit more goofy and silly. And she has to be kind of like the quote unquote uptight one. So maybe it's just sort of, you know, yeah. with everything else on top of her, it's just kind of hard to. No, but really I, again, I, I agree that they're both they both have charisma in their roles like they both yeah. are convincingly radio personalities for whatever whatever that means for the yeah. chicago area yeah um and i think that she can handle the scenes that are given to her i think she could handle better scenes mm-hmm. <laughs> even better certainly we should maybe highlight a few of the the day players and the the lesser character in this movie I, we gotta talk sure. about how jack's or maggie's dad is like from brooklyn chicago <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah, he's he's giving me some sort of vaguely Jewish New York vibes. Yeah, despite see, the see, fact that he's Jewish from Chicago. York, I think he's like he, he like he thinks he's like a ma- like a local mafia or boss. Italian. Yeah, I guess that's it's it's like the Gary Marshall thing where it can be read as either yes. Jewish or Italian. It's like the optical illusion of the old lady and the young lady's face, depending on which <laughs> angle you're looking yeah, yeah. at this guy. It could be either Jewish New Yorker or a mobster. But it's like the way I think it's because he runs a jazz club. Mm-hmm. And like the way he and gives he's preoccupied the, with families. Yes, sir, always he on about families. He gives the ring out, and he's, he has this line where it really sounds like the Godfather, where he's like, "It means a great deal to the family." Yeah. <laughs> and d- d- is he the dad that does the shitty De Niro impression too? I yes, think. Yes, I believe yes. so. I get more of a Jewish vibe from Jack's dad, who is kind of more of the like slightly nebbish, like a that's bit more. True. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's true. Maggie's dad seems to be sort of posturing and a bit more like male, masculine. He's mm-hmm. definitely mugging more for the camera. Yeah, yeah. He, he's mugging and he also comes off as the more domineering. Everyone's like multiple times you're like, uh other other daughters uh husband, were you intimidated when you first met? He's like, Well, let me just tell you, uh when I that saw movie the parents, Meet the Parents, I thought it was a documentary. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone laughs. And everyone laughed because it was a great joke. It was a great it was joke. A great joke. A very yeah, funny so, and very timely joke. So Maggie said is definitely meant to be seen as more intimidating. Than yeah, that's probably Jack's true. Dead. Yeah. And but, all, the only literally the vibe I get from the mom is just like she probably drinks a lot. She, <laughs> yes. She just barely has, she has to make her life. peace. She has to make her peace with the romance that these two men that's true. have the call. <laughs> the romance to play that dare not speak its name. Yeah. Uh, she doesn't sadly get a lot to do. Um, yeah, no, she really does not. I also want to call out Bobo Leaf Shriver slash whatever your your vote Steven Root. I thought he looks like a slightly more handsome Steven yeah. Root. I think less handsome, but I don't know. He's got a very... I mean, I don't think, to be clear, I don't think face. the actor playing him is no. particularly handsome. I just think that Steven Root is like also not what you would call a handsome actor, you know? He's yeah, a character no. actor. But uh, uh, the, the radio legend, radio... Judd Crawford. Judd Crawford. Satellite radio boss Judd Judd Crawford. 
Again, like we, he's introduced and we think he's going to be a problem. Like, right. Because like, well, the first thing, what decent guy is fine. Right. Cause like what I had said is like, one of the first things you see is when you're introduced to him, he's talking like Maggie and Jack Hunter and like, Oh, Hey, radio boss, Judd Crawford. We're so excited to deal with you. And like his assistant comes up to him and Judd Crawford just like, Hey, assistant, get me another one of these drinks. And like, you think that it's like, Oh, okay. Like he's kind of like a jerk. He's condescending. He doesn't yeah. really care about people. He only cares about radio in the bottom line. And then at the end, after like they admit that they've lied to everyone judd crawford is still like but i would like to go in business with you guys i think that is a good move and like logically if you have a character like this it would make sense for him to be an obstacle where like there he's someone to have to impress but also he wants to make all these changes that you don't want to make right and so forth but he he does he's fine he's fine i think they were right and like again like that with the whole splitting them up right i was gonna say like maybe that could be the thing too is him hiring them is contingent on splitting them up for whatever reason and they have to be the ones to stand up to him he's like ah now that you've stood up to me you've passed the test sir and i'll agree to have you both do it together it's because he runs a radio network for um mike pence and men and women cannot be on the same in the same radio show together if they're unmarried if they're not married yeah (laughs) any other actors you felt like bringing up Honestly, not really. Everything you want to do with I mean, Bianca Bell, I couldn't remember. Was there something you wanted to say about Bianca Bell? Oh, I just no. think it's funny that okay. she's so built up and then she's like really chill. Super nice. Yeah. yeah. She just seems like a normal person. Well, again, because yeah. you're introduced to her via the sister who's super against her. And then, right, right, actually, right. Actually, she's fine. Yeah. I also sort of assumed that Sebastian was going to be gay, but I guess not. Hmm. If there was who's a gay Sebastian? character, it would be Sebastian. Sebastian, Sebastian is Judd Crawford's assistant. Oh. Yeah. Completely forgot about him. Yeah, I thought he was, and then you see a scene of him talking to Maggie and Jack is like, oh. <laughs> and at the end, Bianca Ooh. Bell sees him and she's like, hello, hello. handsome. He's like, not who's even that? that- no, not that hot. like he's not, not unattractive, but like, I can't imagine Bianca Bell seeing him and being like, no. oh, because he's, like he's he's just like your default, like innocuous servant type day player. Right. Playing yeah. Game. Like he's just a, a fade to the background kind of guy. And for anyone to be like anyone else, especially a character that's supposed to be a sort of like hot ex-girlfriend vibe. Yeah. To be like, ooh, la la. Right. She like, really sees him and like drops yeah. her panties and is like, haba haba ding ding. I, I got to get me I, a piece of that. You know, one should get along also... well with the guy from Falling for Christmas who gets, who, again, they both fall for these like random lackey characters <laughs> in the 11th hour. <laughs> Listen, should we talk about fixes for this yeah. movie? I can go first uh, with the first. caveat that I don't have much. Sure. Um, I've got a, I've got, I've got like a, a buffet more than a solid wow. premise. Uh, my fix for this movie is that these are two radio personalities who have two very different shows. They're both uh, advice driven, but they are not working together. They were childhood friends, but they have not spoken since like forever. New radio boss moving into the network is basically like you two are just like crushing it in these two complimentary demos so we're just going to put you together on one show and they're like huh but we're so different but wouldn't you know it they make it work um (laughs) i had some other details worked out though so one of them actually brendan you kind of mentioned earlier was he's gonna he's gonna always be defensively sort of referring to a serena that we never meet um but i am gonna have that be that it was just like a made-up thing because i think i want him to be a like explicitly a like dating advice guy but he was maybe more of a like like he 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 always kind of had this like fake girlfriend as a part of his 
he always had this girlfriend Serena as a part of his deal, but she was like never real um, kind of deal. And I want her to probably like disdain the idea of doing like a dating or like a love advice show or anything like that. But her heart becomes open to it as it opens to him. Oh, golf club. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much. I like it. All right. You go, um, yeah, I can kind of go through. I, all right. So what it's more like resident buffet, it's more like Doctor Who where there are constants that happen. And then there are some amorphous points in the storyline that we could have it a different, couple different ways. So obviously they can't have been like they have been for 15 straight years. So what are they? I want to kind of invert some tropes, but also keep them the same. Because I generally, it bothers me when the guy is always the guy that I don't know how to do emotion. I man, I drink beer. I have, <laughs> I do darts with my friends. I don't talk about emotion. I but play poker. I still want him to be the himbo because it just makes more sense. And also mm. I can't have, I can't do the thought in the thought, whether or not we call it that with, <laughs> I can't do it with her being the him, the bimbo because that's regressive. Um, <laughs> she's the smart one, the professional one. He's the hot mess. He was hugely popular in high school. She was a nerd. They're still, their families are in business together. And so therefore they did know each other, but they were not close. Um, and they didn't like see each other all the time. And high school, he was like definitely very popular. She was not. I think that the prom thing happened where uh, this is where I want to make it a little interesting. I think he had a crush on her and wanted to bring her to the prom, but thought that he wasn't good enough for her because even though he's really popular, she was clearly very smart and was going to go places that she he was not going to be able to like follow her. And so something held him back because I kind of like that there's this insecurity thing that he has in the movie where he can't perform on stage or whatever. And I kind of want to spin that into like, you know, he, everyone liked him, but he didn't really care about being liked. He wanted this girl to like him, but didn't think he was like worthy of her for whatever reason. And so something happened then, not necessarily he got burned, but maybe they both got burned because of their respective insecurities on their end of the spectrum. And she just kind of knew him as like this obnoxious jock or popular theater kid or whatever he was. And she, he just kind of knew her as like, all oh, that bookish girl who like hung out in the library all the time or whatever. They maybe went to different colleges. Uh, they maybe had one encounter or something like in the summers or whatever. And then they met again back like in Chicago after where they both managed to they get into broadcasting for whatever reason. And so they they met together as like family friends that didn't hang out all that much. I think that it is Jack's family who suffered a loss. Um, and therefore, mm -hmm. Jack is kind of like taken in more by Maggie's family and becomes quickly very popular because he's very gregarious and very easily like charmed charms people and so they're the sort of like close-knit relationship that they have now kind of comes from he's they've kind of had their own separate lives for several years they come back he's taken very quickly in by maggie's into like maggie's family's fold and she's kind of maybe a little bit annoyed sometimes by that like how quickly he's like charmed her way into the into the family and yeah i think in modern day it is like she went and did some sort of like yeah she's like counseling or social working or she has some sort of qualification that makes her qualified to give some level of <laughs> advice to people whereas he sort of just like coasted off of his personality and i think there's probably a great deal of like imposter syndrome on his part from that because again he still feels kind of inadequate because he's just kind of like i like what the fuck does he know but they have a hugely popular show and here's where i don't I had this this thought about like that that whole argument of when they have the fake relationship. I think it makes more sense in that case to kind of keep the main plot that way where they pretend to be in a relationship for ratings because it wouldn't be it would be a bit more of a surprise to the family because they haven't known each other as long and they haven't been like this for that long in their life. They've only sort of gotten closer in the last couple of years. I want to get into like the sort of flux points. I kind of like the idea that Bianca shows up 
at the 11th hour, like something that got in the way of them the last time. And the idea that he would choose to hang out with her as a weird act of self-sabotage. I think this is a grimmer, darker version of the story where it's like, he definitely wants to be with Maggie, but he knows he's going to fuck it up. And so he's never made a move because he knows the second he does, he's fucked. And the sec- when he gets the closest he's ever been, this woman shows up and he just leaps on her as like, okay, great. I can sabotage this again and stop myself from making a huge mistake with the, with the person I actually care about. It probably wasn't what the movie was trying to do. <laughs> no, I it, don't think it was. <laughs> it could have been. And that is an yeah. interesting choice. Or you could go you could go some like completely different direction with that. But that was a thought I had. But anyway... I want to keep the bones of it. I don't think that there's this weird thing about meeting their partners. I don't think they have partners because that's also too much to juggle on top of everything else. I think that they have this, you know, newly found closeness. I think we see more of that throughout time. Like I want to see flashbacks of like the one Harry met Sally supercut of like their different points of their life and how they were with each other. And yeah, I just want to deal with, I think mostly the the fake relationship thing. All right. So what I have is I have a um, the idea that I was kind of going with, and then I have another half-assed idea that I came up with on the way home from work. The idea that I was kind of going with to begin with is that it is, so they are definitely uh, two people who co-host a radio program, some sort of morning talk show. Instead of it being this thing where they're going to get nationally syndicated, what it is instead is the idea that, you know, because you're in a dying industry, the numbers are down. And so they're going to start making cuts around the station. And so the two of them are like, look, I know that like, people have always been like, when are we going to get together? So like, this is what we need to do in order for us to continue to have jobs. We need to pretend that we're going to finally get together. And it becomes this sort of thing where it, it's, I think, probably not going to be a sort of Netflixy, Hallmarky type Christmas movie, but instead be, becomes sort of dark comedy about the weirdness of parasocial relationships, where Ooh. they have these bizarre devoted fans who are like, finally, they're getting together. And even their parents are like, I can't believe they're getting together. I'm so happy that they're finally getting together to the point that they're just sort of like, everyone needs to like kind of take a step back and stop being so fucking weird about what our relationship is right now. And what I think I want it to be is I don't want them to get together at the end. I want it to sort of be the idea that they're like, this is all our relationship is and all relationship ever will be. I guess if you keep reading things into it, that's your problem. But we know that we are just friends and we're never meant to be more friends. And like, we're a straight man and a straight woman. We like, we could in theory get together, but like, we're not going to. Just because you're a man and a woman and you're working together and you get along with each other doesn't mean that, oh, I think they're going to have sex at some point next. So it's just kind of like these two people dealing with the weird pressure of this entire city gone nuts with the, you know, fervor of oh my god I can't believe this couple finally got together that we've been hoping would get together for such a long time Mm. the other idea that I came up with on the way home from work is the gay version where it is a two guys hosting a radio show I think one is gay and the other is straight and it's this sort of you know how there are certain people who just like ship two real life guys despite the fact that they're not gay and I want to write stories about them getting together and all that sort of shit they decide to pretend to get together but then in this version I think they would actually fall in love with each other and uh, continue relationship that way. I think maybe the idea is that they were similar to this friends in high school and have been friends for years. And it's kind of just sort of the friends to lovers tropes, but done through a gay lens. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, of course we do. We love the gays. We need more. We love gay stuff. I like specifically the gay friends to lovers thing. 
Yeah, I feel like I need that to be done more, you know? Like, I feel like yeah. I haven't really seen that too much. I like any I like any version of that. I like the idea. Again, I I like movies where... We don't do this often enough in real life or in stories where I talk about how, like, fluid sexuality can be and how, like, mm-hmm. it can be influenced by just, like, your relationship with a person. Right, exactly. Um, it's not that, like, you consider yourself gay, per se, but it's like you meet this person, you're like, oh, yeah. I'm feeling something that yeah, I like didn't feel. Sort of concepts of, like, pansexuality or just, like, being attracted to a person, not to, like, any gender is... Right talked about yeah, enough exactly and probably neither one of these again is the sort of vibe that a hallmarky netflix movie is going for but mm. you know hey there it is hey you know what this is our movie that's right this is our movie. <laughs> three very different takes three very different wigs we recommend it i i have to say yes here because i i did uh, say we should do it and i i watched, watched it three times now that's true i think maybe like a faint maybe is what I would yeah. come away it's with. Not, it's I don't not think good. It's, it's, it's not, not good, good, but it's also yeah. not like the worst thing I've ever seen. You but know, give it a watch. Yeah, I would. I would. Yeah, I guess I'm kind of in the same boat. I'm like, if you think based on what we've said about Evan Williams, you might want to go check that out. I think it's worth it. Yeah. All right. Well, as always, facebook.com slash whywatchpodcast is our Facebook page. Uh, Drappack.com is our website. Uh, we're on Stitcher and Apple Podcasts, so you can find us there and you can rate us there and you can subscribe to us there. Do all those things. All those things. <laughs> and we'll be back in five stars only. Uh, right. Hopefully in person by that point. Hopefully, yeah. Yeah. Has my thingies. Yeah. yeah. Remember, don't blow away out there. <laughs> don't blow away out there. <laughs> don't blow away Bye. out there. Bye. Bye. It was always you I was lying to myself If there was ever anybody else It's only ever been you It was always you I was lying to myself If there was ever anybody else It's only ever been you It was always you